Hi everyone, welcome to STEPS audio channel. We are very excited to share our content from STEPS events to learn all about the latest trends in startups, digital media, fintech, future tech, and wellness in emerging markets. You can find us on Enagami, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure to subscribe to your favorite channel and we hope you enjoy the content. So um, I guess my guests, my panelists are mic'd up. Do you guys want to join me? Don't leave me hanging. So um, actually, Big Hass stole my intro. I was going to ask who in the audience is into podcasts, but I saw a lot of hands. Um, are you guys also potentially thinking about starting podcasts? Has anyone thought about that? Or maybe you have your own podcast. Does any, anybody in the audience? Yeah? So a few people. I hope these are insightful um, conversations that we can have on stage. I think we have a really nice mix. So... Okay, that's everybody. So um, basically, I think podcasting looks different in different parts of the world. In the U.S., it's been around for a really long time, and people have been really into it. That's, But that's... I think in MENA, we're still catching up. There's, um, there's still some, some education to do and some, some learnings. So one good thing that happened during the pandemic, one good thing, is that people were at home and, and bored, and a lot of them actually started podcasts. They were looking for community. Lulu on our stage started during the pandemic. So uh, I, I think that, you know, it's an exciting time for MENA and in general for, um, for the podcasting space. Uh, the cool thing about podcasting as well is that it's not just another medium. It's also super into, like, the community is super important, and this is what I think really sets it apart. So we're going to talk about what makes a podcast, what is a podcast, what makes a good podcast, how do you build a community, what are some of the challenges, and then, of course, like, the big one is monetizing, because, of course, we all want to make money. So how are we going to do that? So I'll quickly introduce my panelists. Um, next to me is Stefano Falaha. He's the founder of Padeo, which launched in 2020. And um, it's, a, it's a podcasting platform that enables creators. So basically, it's an all-in-one solution. You can record, you can host, and you can distribute the podcasts all on this tech platform. Uh, Bella Ibrahim is from Kerning Cultures, which is a great success story. It's a network. It started out as one podcast, now it's a network, and they do podcasts in English and in Arabic. And uh, it's the first venture-funded podcast company in the Middle East. So they launched back in 2015 when it was super new in this area. Uh, Moin Jabir on stage after that. Mm. Uh, he's a producer and sort of an accidental podcast host because you were supposed to just produce Medea's show and sure. then you ended up a host as well. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that show is called Saturday After Dinner. It's hugely popular in Lebanon and abroad. So uh, I'm sure most of you have heard about it. And Lulu Al-Khazan, uh, she's an entrepreneur, founder of Nebbish. I'm sure you've heard of that success story. An angel investor and like super into the startup scene and started a podcast about startups. So it's called Conversations with Lulu. So welcome everybody. Um, this might be a basic question, but I feel like maybe we need to start with what is a podcast? Because there's so many different types Sometimes people are like, oh, it's audio only. Other people, make, like, I've seen like videos and they're like, it's a podcast. So at first I was like, oh, can video even be a podcast? Apparently so. Uh, sometimes it's like a three-hour monologue. Sometimes it's super heavily edited and, and just like concise. So, so what ties podcasts together? Like, like what is that common thread that makes a podcast really? How do we define it? Sure. So basically I think... Um as podcast, as a medium, it's something, it's, it's a content vertical that really 
builds trust between the creator and the listener. And it's really a way for podcasters to show who they really are in terms of uh, individuals and show their unique identity. And I think really that's the power of podcasting. It's the ability to portray um, trust and to build credibility and to build transparency between uh, the creator and the listener. So it's really about that engagement that happens, which is really unique because mm -hmm. you don't really have that on other content mediums. Um, it's just you and yourself just listening, having your head headphones, listening to that person or to that panel uh, or to different people uh, talking about specific topic. It could be either, you know, solo interview. It could be uh, just an interview. It could be narrated shows like Kerning Cultures does best. Um, so, uh, so I think that's, that's in terms of an overview. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think uh, podcasts, podcasts are the most uh, intimate medium there is. You could be in the metro and literally be listening to a true crime podcast about someone who decapitated, let's say, 10 women and put their heads in the freezer and no one would know around you that you're, what the into, that. You, that you're into that. <laughs> so it's extremely intimate. Like Stefano said, uh, you really create a very strong rapport with whoever is listening because of the flexibility of the medium. Yani you can be listening to a podcast while uh, commuting. You could be listening to a podcast while, I don't know, cooking for your kids, for, uh, while gymming, while even doing some chemotherapy. That's someone who told me uh, that as well. And regarding the purists that say that podcasting should only be audio, although I do agree, you know, it started off as radio on demand. I think right now, in order for you to be able to market your podcast properly, there needs to be a video component because how do you market your podcast? You go on social media platforms, you go on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and what have you. And you have to basically show that there's a conversation happening. Now, if you're on Instagram, if, it's, if uh, your piece of marketing content is just your image with a sound wave, that piece of content is competing with so many other things, and I guarantee you not a single person is going to listen to more than five seconds of that. So you have to show people that you give a damn about the medium itself, you provide subtitles, come in if you can, and try to create as engaging of a conversation as you can. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, so, well, part of the, uh, the conversation, I think, is, like, how do you engage the audience that you need? And I think there's, like, different elements that you can, uh, that you can use. Do you have an opinion on that, Bella? Uh, yeah, I would say, I mean, I think it starts with the content first and foremost. The content's yeah. really important. Like, Absolutely. Marketing does nothing if the content is not strong. And I think approaching it... I think approaching it and understanding who you're speaking to is very important to make it engaging and understand your target audience. Um, I also think the understanding that it is a conversation with your listeners. You're not talking at them. It's not, I think yes. the biggest difference is that podcasts are not radio, right? We're not broadcasting a story. It's very much like you are sitting at the table with your listeners. And I think a lot of people think that podcasts are lesser than video because they're less engaging and it's audio only. And I think the missed opportunity there is you can actually leave a lot of room for your listeners to be a part of the imagination and like creating the story, whether it's through sound design or whatever it may be. Um, I think the podcasts that leave room for the listener to be part of the content creation are the ones that make for the most engagement. Mm -hmm. I want to add a point uh, as well on the loyalty uh, point that Stefano brought up. I think you don't just, unlike radio, when, you, when you're driving in your car and you have a few radio channels that you can tune into, a podcast you actually have to search for, you have to subscribe to, and you have to actively follow. So I think the, the podcast listener is extremely loyal to the, to the content that they're listening to and to the podcasters. So I think it's a very unique relationship between the, the podcaster and the listener versus uh, radio, for example. Yeah, it's much more intentional, I feel. 
and, and and do, you, do you mind if I add something? I think really about the engagement, it's really about building a community around the podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. It's really about emphasizing that your podcast equals a specific community that you built. And what we're seeing is that communities are being built around non-audio format, which is completely fine, right? Which is you want to market your podcast. But if you were to compare or benchmark with why, let's say, video or why uh, uh, Instagram or YouTube, or you have 15,000 hours of podcasting created every day versus 700,000 hours of YouTube videos being created every day. And the main reason for that is because these platforms were able to bring all the creator tools in one place and really uh, uh, bucketize uh, everything and really make it simple for creators to create. Um, on podcast today, you have th that's different, right? You, you have to use six different tools to create uh, uh, one piece of episode or one piece of audio. You need to build, you need to use Zoom and then uh, a specific editing um, uh, software like Audacity for basics. And then you need to use a hosting platform like uh, Podio or Buzzsprout. And then you need to use a community management platform. So it's really a, a fragmented process, mm -hmm. which is really... Uh, reduces the supply that creators are able to build and then moves that community building to external platforms like Instagram or Facebook groups or email newsletters. So I think until we're able to figure out how do we build community on, around listening and how do we bring that community engagement towards the listening experience, then I think this is when we're going to be able to increase, let's say, the number of podcasters from 2 million worldwide to 20 million. Because Today, you still have, out of 50 million creators, you only have 2 million who are podcasters. Mm -hmm. So how do you increase that number? You just make it simple for creators to create and build communities around their content. You know, uh, I think yeah, the, the simplest form to create a community is through the YouTube comment section. I'm going to take the example of uh, Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan, I think, has been a podcaster for, what, 20 years now? And over time, I think, uh, inadvertently, he didn't actually plan for it, he created a community in the YouTube comment section that, that became self-moderating, and they would upvote the comments that were actually worthwhile and downvote those that were just trolling. And when he did the move for Spotify, granted it was for $150 million, which is not a small sum, uh, that sense of community got lost completely. And I fear that, and I don't take my word for it, but I fear that the community felt betrayed because at some point they, they, there was some sort of two-way street that took place, and now it was just... You know, listening it's much alone. harder to engage. I mean, listen, yeah, as if, it's as if, Masan, isn't it better to watch a movie when you're with your friends or to listen to something when you're with your friends instead of watching it alone? It feels, it feels a bit cold. Mm -hmm. So that sense of community in its most basic form is the comment section, of course. Yeah. So um, when you're actually, uh, like to the creators mostly, uh, when, when you're creating an actual episode, uh, how does that usually work? Like, do you choose a topic? Do you choose your guests? How does that interact? Like, what does that process look like? So that I mean, oh, well, I mean, I feel like I need to acknowledge that I'm not one of the creators. I get to promote all of the creation that happens. Um, but it really differs from every show. And I think when you acknowledge that it's not like a one-size-fits-all process, that's when it works best. 100%. So a lot of our shows are very narrative, very immersive. And so for us, we always start with the topics first. Like, what are we excited about? Where are we seeing gaps in the market? What is it that we want to listen to? I think that's always our benchmarker to start with. Um, and I think from there, we will often get pitches from producers, and our biggest criteria is like, it may be an interesting topic, but do we have, do we have personal stories to capture this topic or to capture whatever this phenomenon is for a show or an episode or whatever it may be? Um, so having guests that 
really bring a story to life is really important. You may have a really interesting topic, and if the guest is not comfortable in front of a microphone or you can't find anybody to speak to it, it I think you have to cut it there and you can't go through with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for us, we always sort of start big picture and then think about how we can bring it to life through individual voices. Yeah. For me, it was uh, it was very natural. I've been in the startup world since 2011, 2012, so I'm one of the early entrepreneurs in this part of the world. And uh, and as a result, you know, I had a great network of uh, whether investors, entrepreneurs, or people in the ecosystem. So I was lazy because I knew that, you know, to create a good podcast, you really need to do a lot of research and you need to do a lot of work and you have to really know the guests. And, and as, as she said, they have to be, you know, um, open to talk and they have to be comfortable to speak, etc. So I literally just went around to my friends uh, and I started inviting them. So it wasn't the topics initially for me at, at the start. It was who are the people that I really love, that I think are super uh, successful, that we can learn from, that are uh, open on the, on, the, on the mic and are able to share. And I you know, went for these people and I just adjusted basically around them. Because what I wanted to do is to capture a lot of the entrepreneurs, when they, when they talk to media, it's usually uh, like Forbes or Arabian Business. There's a few kind of business uh, media that they talk to, and usually it's quite scripted, and it's, uh, it's you know, they're very careful about what they say. They're usually promoting their companies and their products, and I didn't want that. And that's why I went with friends uh, initially, because I knew that I would get them to, you know, to say more than just like uh, selling their company or their startup. So this was the early days for me. Is, uh, and that obviously helped me reduce the amount of research that I had to do. Well, you so have the just knowledge hit already. the ground running. Huh? <laughs> you have the knowledge already. And of course, it's a space that I, I know very yeah. well as well, yes. Mm-hmm. Listen, when it comes to Serde, we, uh, we did it very haphazardly, you know? Like, like you said, we were just getting friends of ours who seemed interesting to a certain extent, yeah. but, you know, and then it evolved into, like, getting bigger people. But um, in retrospect, when we saw the, the conversations that we had, we noticed that there's a trend. There are three categories of conversations. The first category is when you get an expert to come and, let's say, discuss something about the banking system, about COVID and what have you. This kind of conversation is pretty, it's not unilateral, but you ask specific questions and you massage the conversation in a specific way. The second kind is the opinionated kind of conversation. So when you talk about politics, when you talk about society, when you talk about things that you yourself might have opinions on, and uh, they're usually fun. And the third kind, which is, I call it shooting the shit, when you just sit down with your friends and you actually talk and, you know, there's something very special that takes place when you see two people talking and they're very close. It's, it's, It's very genuine. It's something that you don't see anywhere else. And creating a successful podcast, I think, is balancing out between these three genres. You have to get a heavyweight uh, once every month. You have to get, let's say, uh, friends every now and then. It, it's about I mean, the kind of podcast that you do, but say, definitely these three kinds of combos. Yeah. Um, when it comes to like the tech side, are there certain insights that come from the tech, from the platforms that might be able to help you uh, as a creator figure out what your audience is looking for, what are they searching for, what are they engaging with more? Yeah, that's a very good question because I'll I'll take just a step back to sort of explain the way podcasting works and how the infrastructure is built. Today it's really built on RSS feeds, which essentially provides very limited data in terms of the engagement. You need to have to go to individual platforms and actually specific apps and pull the data from there, right? So um, the the, the main problem with that is that 
the data and analytics are really fragmented. And you have a fragmentation of pulling, let's say, a demographic of a specific platform from there and then taking another one from here. So the reporting side of things is, is really makes it uh, difficult because of that underlying RSS feed technology. So I think for us, it's really about how do you build a, 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 an all-star data science team to be able to innovate that and build new features and analytics on top of the existing tech to really consolidate all of the reporting in one place. And I think that's very important for creators to really understand the audience. And today, whenever you know, podcast hosting uh, companies, usually what they report is the number of downloads, the number of countries, and yeah. what's the device, right? And even the number of downloads isn't very accurate. Um, we've seen a, a bug that happened with the Apple Podcast app, which was, uh, I think, back in August. Uh, what Apple Podcasts does, they automatically download the episode uh, if you just follow that podcast. So what happens is they stopped auto-downloading uh, uh, the episodes, and what happened, you had a drop of 30% of global downloads in the podcast industry, so that was reflected on the advertising spend and so on and so forth. So how do you shift that narrative from being a, a download to actually a listen to and to really understand what's happening behind the content? And also that goes back to building community and really engaging with the creator and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about some of the challenges. I mean, there's, there's challenges on the supply side, um, on the creator side, and then also on the demand side, like finding. And, and it's almost like a chicken-egg situation sometimes. Uh, Bella, I think you were talking to me about this before. Like, uh, one of the biggest hurdles that you guys faced was educating the audiences in the first place. Yeah, I think, um, so Casey started in 2015 as one English show in a market that was very mature. The U.S. already was like saturated with podcasts. When we decided to break into the Arabic market, I think anytime we had a conversation, it always had to start with, do you know what a podcast is? Have you listened to one? Take out your phone, open Apple Podcasts or Podio or whatever it may be, and like search, you know, current cultures, and now you're going to listen. Like we would literally, I think for a good two years, our process with anybody who asked us, what do you do for a living, was take out your phone and look it up and listen, right? Um, and I think what we realized was for any conversation to happen, whether it's with brands or organizations when we're like partnering or working on revenue um, or listeners, it always has to start with education. So education was like a massive, it was a massive hurdle that we always had to keep at the top of our mind. So I think for the first few years, any conversations we had with brands, if we would take the time to educate them on podcasts and what they can do for brands. And it felt like a long-term investment because going into it, I think we kind of understand that if we need to educate you on the medium, you're likely not going to throw, but like you're not going to invest in this. You're not going to sign off your marketing budget for the year to something you're not wrapping your head around yet. But we're hoping that in a year from now, when you start seeing it and you find out people around you are listening and you take the time to listen, that it'll be an investment like comes around. Um, so I think with brands, that's been a big initiative and especially with like, you know, that when we're raising funds and explaining to them what is it exactly you're investing in. Um, for listeners too even, like there are people that follow us on social and will, and will still DM us and say like, how do I listen? Is this a video? Is this a podcast? Like, yeah. I don't understand. And so we're constantly like, we never assume people know. We say it everywhere how to listen, where to find us. We try to create like in-person experiences, like listening parties to try to catch people who wouldn't find us digitally and really trying to like find any point of entry. Um, but we always kind of assume that we're going to be telling people how to listen. We never assume that they're, you know, already up to speed. But I think, Yanni, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like this onboarding process to educate people about what a podcast is can maybe, and this is from my experience, can maybe be avoided because obviously podcast is relatively a new thing. Uh, well, not really, no, five years old maybe. Um, 
like instead of onboarding them and explaining to them what a podcast is, maybe you can just put it on YouTube and they themselves might think, okay, it's an interview. It's a long form interview, granted, but yani, you can maybe avoid these, these you know, mental gymnastics and just put the thing in front of them and then tell them, by the way, it's available on YouTube, it's available on Spotify, on Rami, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Yani, I feel like you have to meet the person where they are and yeah, not bend yourself backwards, but try to use all of the resources at, uh, that are available for you to be able to get your message uh, through. Yeah, right? yeah, so one of our shows actually, so Podcast Amiga then is hosted by, it was exactly because of that that we created this show because it was hosted by a YouTube creator who we know, like, like runs Egyptology and is massive, and we were bank, like we were banking on that insight and betting yeah. on that. That you're tapping into people who are used to tuning in. They love this host. They listen or they tune in and watch like every week, every whatever. And all we're telling them is like you're watching these videos. You can also listen to them now. So it feels like I, I agree. You always have to meet people where they are and adapt the podcast to all the channels you can. And eventually they might like you know I would absolutely say like you can watch podcasts on YouTube. Like I, you know, I accept that phrase. I don't know if anybody does, but I accept it. Like I think it counts. You're consuming the same content. Exactly. But, but, but I think, and this is something we were talking about before this panel, I think introducing video also introduces complexity. I mean, unless obviously yeah. you want to open Zoom and talk over Zoom and then that's it, which is I think very, very boring. And you know, everybody at work is doing that now and, and all the events were online for two years and all we're of a sudden you know you put your, your guest on Zoom and then you also you know yeah, put Zoom for, out there. For someone to have fun they listen to another Zoom call. That's ridiculous. So 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 I think introducing video and this is what happened with me because when I started I started with audio and then um, a, a lot of people gave me the advice, you know, this is a visual uh, region, okay. you have to be on video, you have to be on YouTube. And then I introduced like cameras and lights and different equipment and money, and, and money for <laughs> editing, etc. So I think it just, uh, if you are an independent podcaster like me, uh, it just really increases the complexity and the cost. So for me, I always, I keep asking myself, you know, is it worth it? Because... Uh, you know, I could probably produce more podcasts if I'm only doing audio because it's just easier. Oh. Uh, whereas video, you have to actually get the guests to come to you, mic them up, prepare, etc., get dressed, and, and all of that stuff. So, That's true. I mean, you, you're you're very big on YouTube. But do you? Yeah, I'd love to get your thoughts on it. No, Yanni, that's a very valid point. Um, regarding the, the podcast, like is it worth it? Basically, I, I think it's worth it. I think um, you know people make the mistake of thinking that you know a podcast is just miking up two people and just you know talking. That's completely wrong. You know, it's uh, it's not as easy. Uh, you know, and just because I don't know someone tells you that you're interesting does not mean that you can make a podcast. The same way, if people tell you that just because you're funny, it doesn't mean that you can do stand-up comedy. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot more to it. There's a crazy work ethic that needs to be done. It's very time-consuming, but if you surround yourself by the right people, uh, and I think maybe another question we can talk about is the, the amount of funding that we can get, but it is a, it's a very um, you know, time-consuming experience, but I, I feel like the, the, you know, the, 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 the appreciation that people get from, the, from these podcasts, when people send you messages, when people tell you, oh my God, you know, you're actually talking like a normal human being. You know, we're not going to bash uh, legacy media right now, but uh, uh, I mean, I think there's a huge disconnect between what we see on our television and what we listen to or see on YouTube and on podcasts. And I feel that, you know, these small changes in how you talk and how you place yourself make a huge difference and make you feel that you're not alone. Obviously, you need people to watch, right? I need uh, time to, to, to produce it. But for me, I think the, the, the 
appreciation is off the charts. I, I think also a point on that, uh, on the challenge, which is definitely sort of mitigated through adding a video. Um, but I think uh, the overall challenge of the of, of the educate or educating people how to listen and what a podcast is really goes back to the basics of the supply, right? You still have less than 3,000, 4,000 podcasts coming out of the region. And out of these, maybe 10, 20% are active. So compare that to over six, seven million podcasts globally. Mm -hmm. So that uh, education really is tied to how much supply you can build. And when you build supply, this is basically just network effects and then just people talk to each other and then this creator has a podcast and then the other creator has a podcast. So it all, it all goes back to the enablement part and how do you increase supply and how do you increase demand simultaneously. Um, and I think once, once that is solved and once we get to a point where really we have enough content um, to basically cater to enough listeners and to cater to enough categories or interests of these listeners, then I think we would go past that education part. So, and I think, you know, um, in, in podcasts, I don't think there's anything called competition, right? And we were talking before how, you know, whether you have questions or not, people are willing to help each other as part of the community. I know there is no such thing as uh, prime time in podcasts. It's not a zero-sum game. So. It's not a zero-sum game, yeah. If, if you come on, if you release your podcast every day, uh, sorry, every Tuesday at 8 p.m., uh, and I release my podcast every Tuesday at 8 p.m., it's not like we're competing for the, for the amount of views, because some people can listen to it at a later stage. There is so much flexibility with the podcast, and the community is so... Uh, it's so beautifully growing and you know interactive and just helping each other that uh, you know you're not alone so mm -hmm. yeah we've sort of entered the next subject which is like ensuring reach and how do you reach these people i think there's like the narrative side and the tech side when you were talking to me about this uh, yes uh, um, so there, there's the tech side the anime side. if you have a history podcast okay or a science-based podcast what you do for engagement on a tech side is that you utilize the uh, the the uh, the sorry the, the features of each and every platform okay um, let's say you put stories on Instagram that are quizzes okay because you're a science podcast or because you're a history podcast it makes sense yeah. uh, now with Saturday what we do is uh, we utilize the YouTube premiere feature, which is great. I know. I'm not the kind of person who says, oh, you know, smash that subscribe button, like. I'm not the kind of guy who does that. I'm more subtle in, in my delivery. But when we use the YouTube premiere, you literally have the live comments talking and you, know, you interact with them, you start talking to them. They sometimes start asking questions. They even grow their, their platform. And we went from, I think, 30 viewers to 2,000 viewers. You know, uh, on a bad day, we're 500 uh, viewers watching live, and on a good day, we're 2,000. That's multiple auditoriums filled, you know, for just people talking. That's it. If, uh, there's, there's that tech side, so using the platform features. The other side, which is the narrative, um, I'm going to give the example of Russell Brand. Russell Brand, at the beginning of every single video, he recognizes his viewers and listeners. He says, hello, you 5.4 shimmering souls of self-actualization. I love you so much. Okay, that's, you know, that's his brand. Something more subtle, which is kind of like what Joe Rogan does and what we do is, okay, uh, Olga, you, explain, you, you said something, you mentioned a term, let's say. For the folks back home who are listening or for people who don't really understand what you're talking about, can you please explain? So there is that... Subtle recognition, awareness, awareness, but you still remain a fly on the wall, listening in on a conversation, which mm -hmm. is maybe what people want to want to have. Yeah. Yeah. So it depends on these two. Stefano, um, what about discoverability? 
I think that's, that's, that's a major problem in podcasting in general. Um, you don't have that flexibility to discover new content. Um, and specifically coming out of, let's say, the Arab world, when you have so many different dialects, you have so many different uh, uh, interests for, for content, so you just need to build around that. And today, the way podcasting apps are built are mainly built around language and top charts and, and categories, right? And then you, you have the same show just jumping from one top chart to another, let's say from Saudi to Egypt, but then the underlying uh, uh, listening behavior is very different. I am a listener from Egypt. I want to, to listen to highly hyper-local content from Egypt. So how do you build that hyper-locality aspect of, of, of specifically in content and to cater to different dialects? But that's also uh, uh, present in, let's say, different emerging markets. So discoverability is a very challenging point that, that we need to solve for. And specifically when you have uh, keywords that are wrongly tagged or hosting dashboards that don't give that specific uh, uh, um, sort of option to add more specific tagging opportunities. So it's, 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 it's an industry-wide problem. Um, and in the region, it even gets more complicated. So really, how, how do you solve for all these problems at the same time? Yeah. Um, but, but I think with, uh, with us, for example, we're just trying to solve for the creator and solve for discoverability at the same time um, because it all goes hand-to-hand. -hand. Like, like Marine said, it's just at the end of the day, it's, we're, we're just one large ecosystem that's all helping each other to grow uh, their audiences, to grow supply, to grow demand, and then eventually uh, uh, grow monetization, um, which, which there's a lot of money to be made. Yeah, <laughs> we're getting to that. That's the good part. I, th I think, sorry, just, just regarding discoverability from a creator's perspective, uh, we were saying, me, me and you, Lulu, that uh, there's no competition whatsoever. It's just the community building. Sometimes you can go on another person's podcast that has a much bigger platform yeah. and talk, and then the the, uh, the audience of that platform is going to go to you, Yanni, or, or vice versa. So uh, on, on a human level... That's happening, level, by the way. Huh? It happens a lot. It happens a lot, yeah. Yanni. It, you know, it, sometimes you break through your echo yeah. chamber and you go into someone else's, and then you create even one bigger echo chamber, and then you create some sort of wider community. Again, yeah. there's no such thing as competition or podcast. It's just yeah. conversations between people, mm. interesting people, friends, and what have you. So. And people who are listening to one podcast are more likely to listen to another because they're already educated on what a podcast is and they're, they're sold on it, I guess. Exactly, but, but how do you make sure they discover that next podcast? Yeah. That's the issue, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, Bella, you guys have had some creative um, like listening parties you mentioned earlier, so things like that, little Yeah, solutions. I think... And this is kind of what you were saying about YouTube is like always going where people are and where you see behaviors where people are looking for like habitual content is always a great way to break in. Um, and we've done that through listening parties and I think... What's listening a listening parties, party? So listening parties essentially think of it as like a, almost like a book reading, right? Like it sound, if I explain it to you, it sounds very strange and that we truly would set up like in the past, we would host these listening parties and we put all these chairs in a circle where like set the mood with some lighting and snacks and we just sit and listen to an episode. And like the, the like feeling of sitting in a room full of people and listening to something communally and then just sort of having conversation about it afterwards, I think we've always seen, even if it's like 10 people that show up, like those 10 people will feel very touched and they'll go and tell like five or 10 other people and be like, you have to listen to the show. Mm -hmm. So you kind of, anything you can do to almost like make little ambassadors of your listeners, I think is always key because then they're out there sort of like advocating for you. Um, I think the other thing for us too, 
has been what you both are saying about collaborating with other podcasts, cross-promoting on other podcasts. Like, I think you really look for shows and hosts that are talking to the same audience. Like, we've, we've cross-promoted Bahabane. Like, I, we've done cross-promotions together, right? Like, they're very similar shows, very similar audiences, and a listener would rather listen, like, they would happily listen to both and take mm -hmm. a host's recommendation to heart. Um, or even, like, content collaborations, I think, has been really great because you're mm -hmm. tapping into people's followers. So I think those are always really strong avenues. Yeah. Do you have anything to add? No. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, let's get to the monetization. We've sort of touched on it lightly, but what are the different opportunities? Uh, what are the channels? How, like, if you want to make money from a podcast, is that possible? And how much do you need to do? And what do you need to do? Where do you even start? Do, do you want me to start from the tech side of things? You, you can start, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, as we, there's different types of monetization. You have content monetization, which is mainly pure from, uh, comes from branded content, sponsorships, uh, and then you have the pure programmatic advertising, which is the exciting part. Um, so what we've done, you know, from, from a branding perspective, you know, we work with brands, we create their podcast, and that sort of gives a voice behind the brand. Uh, it sort of puts, puts a personal touch to the brand, which is very su successful, gives a high ROI for that brand. And then on the other side of things, you have the pure ad tech, the pure programmatic uh, uh, sort of uh, audio ads that are either pulled in from different DSPs or you do direct deals with the brand. Now, to be able to sort of build that programmatic capabilities, you need to build a lot of supply. You need to make sure that supply and inventory is available, and you need to be able to deliver on these impressions. So going back to the tech side of things, um, what we're trying to do is sort of build that marketplace to connect brands with creators. Uh, today, the way it works, it's like sort of renting an apartment before Airbnb, just going to different brands and knocking on their doors and then get them to sponsor your show. Uh, what we're doing is sort of building that centralized marketplace where we aim to sort of simplify and, and, uh, and streamline that process from a sponsorship perspective. From a programmatic perspective, there's a lot of opportunities to be done there, um, but I think the, the tech needs to be uh, sort of improved in terms of reporting uh, and in terms of engagement, in terms of the listen-through rates, which are already available, but then they're very, very much fragmented. Um, but I don't think that's a challenge or a barrier to actually have brands and, and big media agencies sort of take a percentage out of their media budgets and then invest it into audio ads because the level of reporting that you have today on podcasting is even way more advanced than, let's say, social media influencer uh, marketing or, or radio advertising. And, and yet you still have 30 or $35 billion out of the $70 billion that were spent on audio ads last year that went through uh, 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 from radio. Yeah. So there's definitely a lot, of, uh, a lot of money to be made there. And I think reporting is not a challenge or a barrier of entry. It's just about, again, educating these brands that uh, uh, engagement and conversion from podcasts are way higher than typical uh, uh, media channels. And I think there was a stat that 50 or 60% of, of, of listeners actually convert to that call to action. Uh, and again, because it's very personal, because there's a trust between the creator and the listener, so that listener trusts to actually convert to purchasing or, or whatever action uh, uh, is imposed on that listener. That's really amazing, like 50, 60%. If you mentioned yeah. something on a podcast... You know, that's but that's, like why, that's why you have the highest CPMs in the industry, right? It's 15, 
to, I think in the States uh, last year, it was $24 or $25 per thousand listens. This play runs a dollar below $2, right? Even less than that. Uh, and, and yeah, I think, I think it's, it's, it's because of the trust. It's because of the ability for brands to convert uh, into actually uh, 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 purchasing that specific product. Bella, you guys are working with brands as well. Yeah, so we, we work with brands in a few different ways. So I think advertising that you spoke to, you know, they can run dynamic ads. And I think having that capability when you're on a hosting platform is always really important. I think before you can even approach any brand, you have, like, we spent, I think, the first year of our, like, Arabic catalog being built out just building our catalog content-wise and building our audience. Um, and I think the tricky thing with podcasts is you really have to make sure that you have an audience, you've built a relationship with them, you've built enough of a mass and you understand like where your target audience is, what countries they're in, who they are, so that you can approach brands and say, here's who I'm talking to, if you want to talk to them, we can work together, right? So I think that was the first thing that we really had to do was establish who our audience was and how like impactful they were. Um, and then from there, we would talk with brands about either advertising or sponsorship, which was more of like a long-term advertising game. So they could essentially align themselves with an entire show or an entire season. So for example, we had an Arabic, uh, like adventurous, like audio drama called Saudi's Eclipse. And that was like, that was sponsored by Toyota ALJ. And so to hear Toyota say, oh, you know, like go seek adventure and had a very adventurous tone of voice is one thing, but then to hear their brand at the top of every episode and then listen to a story that you're invested in and have that brand association, I think is a lot more powerful for brands and that's what they get excited about. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think the third sort of pillar that we've gotten into is branded content. So we'll produce content for brands. Right now we're working on Expo's three podcasts, which we're super excited about. And that for us is a way to sort of help brands reach the same quality of production and storytelling and things that they like they have access to information and things that we can really help them package um, and be that like expert storyteller for them so that's another like third oh. avenue mm -hmm. do you make money I don't make money no I pay money <laughs> honestly <laughs> I think it's very difficult by the way to understand your audience because each channel has its own analytics and it's yeah. not even like the same so for example I, th I find uh, uh, podcast hosting platforms, super primitive. Uh, you know, I mean, you can't really, you don't know much. Uh, I mean, country, well, who cares? Like, I, I, I don't have a lot of details, so I think it's difficult to package it and go to a brand. Um, so, for example, like it, it also could be like in in my case, it's a it's a business podcast. So the 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 type of listener I think is different than the listener who's listening to a, a comedy show or to an entertainment podcast. Yeah. So. There's also that like qualitative aspect that I can't quantify, which makes it very challenging for me, you know, to go to brands and talk to them about um, what I'm doing. I think what needs to happen potentially is almost like a leap of faith where in the same way where brands worked with athletes, you know, and they kind of work with them from the early days and they, and they kind of grow with them. I think it would be great if you know, creators can align with, let's say, one or two brands, and that brand basically, you know, stays on with them for two, three years, four years, and sees them through. Because to Stefano's point, like, to, mo to monetize, you need supply. And supply, you need money to fund the supply. And if you're a, yeah. an independent creator like us, and you don't have, basically, investors behind you, then you're self-funding for three, four years, you know, until you build that mass where you're able to monetize. So it's like a, it's like a chicken and that. egg issue, yeah. right? So yes, you want supply, but there's no funding for the supply. And so it's, it's still very nascent, I think. It's still very, very nascent. So if you want to be a podcaster, I think you have to be ready to open your pocket and, 
uh, and spend on it and, uh, and hope for the best in three, four years. Yeah. And so you mentioned uh, athletes, but athletes, uh, athletes also have a track record. So to your point, you need to have some sort of library content for yeah. these advertisers to know exactly what you're talking about, who you are, that you're not going to go of. off a tangent and you know, uh, completely destroy their, their brand image. Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to Saturday, we have... But you're more likely to go off a tangent if you don't have the funding, right? Yeah. Because people at some point, it is a lot of work to do a podcast. Mm -hmm. As you said, it's not just mic people up and start asking random so. questions. You have to prepare for it, you have to research it, you have equipment, etc. Yeah. So I think that's why people drop off uh, uh, maybe, after a while. Maybe for good reason. Yani. And now, you know, you started getting into podcasts and I started getting into podcasts not to make money or not to, no, you know, no. uh, become uh, extremely rich. We, we started it from a very, you know, genuine point of view. And you're right. We do go off in tangents. And that's where the, uh, the intelligence of the brand itself needs to come towards you. Yani. They need to know that, okay, this person is, you know, talks about... Uh, you know, sexuality, talks about politics, talks about, uh, you know, counter-terrorism, talks about very, you know, iffy topics that not every single brand is going to ally itself. So what you have to do is do your own research and go to these big brands and maybe see if they're interested or not. Uh, we make our money from two avenues. Well, we're, going, we're working on the third. Uh, Google Ad Networks, so ads on, uh, on the YouTube video. Because our podcasts usually go from one hour to an hour and a half, maybe sometimes two hours, we put ads <coughs> sorry, every 15 minutes, the same way I think TV has, so that people are not bombarded. And what's beautiful is that you have in the comments, you know, people saying, listen, uh, Lulu, I'm watching your, the entire ad so that you make more money. And some people are, are aware of that. <laughs> and uh, so you have that for the Google Ad Network. Then we also have Patreon, and I believe uh, KC has, has that as well. Yani, you create a very direct relationship with the, the viewer and the consumer or what have you. And when, when, you know, the way we packaged it was pretty funny. We did three packages. So there was the first one called Subhiye after breakfast, right, which is a form of Saturday, but, you know, in the morning, Jalsi after lunch, and uh, Saturday after dinner, and each tier has its own thing. Uh, and so, hey, we say, okay, if you guys pay $5, I think it's 5 10 and 25 and with that $5, we say, you know, you guys are paying for the coffee of our editor that is, you know, slaving away to create the podcast itself, so you have that, you know, people feel that they have a sense of ownership with your podcast, and that I think is the best compliment you can have as a creator because... Which platform no, are you using? Patreon? Uh, Patreon. Patreon. It's, uh, it's for the creators. Yeah. Or you can just get a huge round of investment with the Jamia and... Uh, <laughs> or you could use Podio and <laughs> Podio can <laughs> solve your problem. <laughs> That's um, no, but really, like, on that point, I think it's really a, 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 a big problem in this industry, right? Like you said, it's, it's the entire supply, uh, value chain of the industry that's fragmented. So... Our job is really to complement and, and, and solve your challenges. And it's really our job to help creators make money and to self-sustain their creation, to be able to create more and more, and more better content. Um, so, so we're working on it, we promise. Uh, and hopefully we'll be able to, to deliver to our promise, which I'm sure we will. Um, so, so yeah, just to just sum up all the challenges. And, and it's just good to hear that we're on track to helping creators like you and hundreds and thousands of other creators to reach and, and, and reach their mission of actually creating high quality content. So uh, very exciting, very exciting uh, time for the industry. Definitely. Yeah. I think you have to spend money to make money, definitely. Yani you have to invest in the camera, you have to invest in the equipment, you have to invest yeah. in the sound design and post-production, yani, and it, it, it can be learned uh, 
alone. And I learned how to, I bought the camera, I spent an obscene amount of money without knowing how to operate it. I decided to go on YouTube, look at a Chinese guy, explain to me for six hours how to make the camera work, and then go on another YouTube video to, at an American guy to tell me how to you know, clean up the sound. And obviously it takes a, a lot of work. I was unemployed, so it helped a lot, definitely. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you have to put the time and effort that hopefully it's going to pay back and you, platforms like Podio or KC can help you out. Yeah. yeah. Um, does anyone in the audience have questions for the guests? Yeah? Okay. Uh, is there a mic for the... Yes. Well, first of all, give them a big round of applause. That was a... Wow. Great. <laughs> Subscribe to their podcast. That's how you support. Who, who was it, Olga? Uh, Here? 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 All right, go ahead. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, I just have a very quick question. Um, uh, you know, in, in America, we have podcast movement. Um, and I know we had um, PodFest here. But how can we create a sustainable creator community? Because what I've learned from the U.S. And, you know, we started a, a DIY network. And it's been doing incredibly well because of what we learned there. And what Hernan Lopez from Wandery said was, you need to have a sustainable model. So when I come to think about creators, how can we empower creators? Do we have some sort of a, a community where we can learn from one another how to buy the best microphones, how we can you know, borrow each other's microphones? I know in Lebanon there's an economic crisis. Like, we, can, we can harness so much. So what, what, what from the audience are like, Sorry, what from the panelists can we do to like help you as well in creating that audience? I know Sarde is an incredible podcast. You guys have incredibly pioneered the whole space. But what can we do to help uh, fuse this creator network that I love in the States, but I'm trying, I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling to find here. And we have all the power to do that here. So how can we do that? So you're talking about creating a community of people that basically share their equipment and, and hide that. And know how. I think, like, to be fair, and I'm going to talk on, on my experience, and I'm an open book. You know, you come to me and you ask me a few questions. We can maybe book a meeting, a Zoom call, or what have you, and I can tell you what, what's on my mind and what's, you know, where I screwed up and where I learned. And then from that, you can, uh, you, can uh, you know, um, basically grow your podcast. But I do think, man, that there needs to be some some sort of financial investment from your end because you don't want to be a slave to someone that is going to give you their camera and then, you know, because cameras are expensive and, uh, you know, asking the, them for the camera constantly and maybe if there's something wrong with, with the whole thing, um, the best thing to do is either go to a platform, I think Podio, until you guys provide, you know, the, uh, the, the people, the creators with the, with the tools to be able to create their own podcast and you have post-production yeah. uh, skills as well. So you have platforms like Podio, Yane, they, they, they simplify the whole thing for you. All you have to do is show up, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah exactly. I have a very good idea. Uh, from a creator's perspective, you can just come to me and I give you a few tips and tricks. Best, Yane, don't, don't, sorry? Space, space. Space as in like a physical space? Ah, the metaverse. <laughs> the metaverse. <laughs> we used to, at, um, at KC Network, I think a few years ago, we were doing Middle East Podcast Forum, where we would collect a lot of, essentially, I think it was one of the first times that podcasters yeah. and creators and platforms could show up and meet each other and have panels and workshops. Mm. Um, it's something that we also like, even collaborating with like Mustad for another podcast network out of Saudi. Mm. And I think it's something that during COVID, we weren't able to revive, but we're hoping now that things open back up, we can so. bring that back, because I think we're very self-aware of the fact that people are really, like creators are really hungry for that community, independent creators want to talk to platforms, want to have workshops. Like we were able to host a few virtual workshops and we see that a lot for storytelling and podcasting during COVID. And 
for us, it feels like a way to invest in people who are interesting and transitioning into this medium, and that helps us out too. So I think that sort of training space is really powerful. Do we have time for another question? Yeah? Sadly, no. <laughs> well, you guys can ask. I'm, I'm sure you guys are open to having conversations if anybody wants to chat with the, the panelists. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. You can find our content on Anagami, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Step Conference and let's stay in touch.